And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor of today's episode, Biberk Small Business Insurance. Biberk is who we use for our business insurance for the Already Friends podcast. They make it quick and easy for small businesses to get insured. You can do it online, on the phone. There's no middleman fees or hassle. You can get a quote in minutes and be covered the next day. Policies start as low as $35 a month. To get a quote online, go to Biberk.com or call 1-866-757-4487 to talk to an insurance expert. As always, we'll have the link in our show notes as well as on our website. And thank you again to Biberk. Business Insurance for being a sponsor of the show. Hello and welcome back to the Already Friends Podcast. This is Allison. And this is Kara. Today we are going to be diving into our eighth and final dimension of wellness, intellectual. And we are joined by none other than my amazing mother, Dr. Sandra Schillingstead. We are so excited to have her on. It's like we just hopped off recording and it was the cutest, most wholesome little tie-in of all the dimensions, I feel like. Yeah. And when we were presented with the topic of intellectual wellness, it was always kind of clear that your mom would be a great person to have on. But even when we were doing our research, we're like, who is an expert in intellectual wellness? That's not really something people brand themselves as. But having your mom on made it so clear that that was a million percent who we were supposed to have on. Like she knew exactly what she was talking about. She knew how to tie it in to what we've been talking about on the podcast and all the different dimensions. So it just couldn't have been better. Oh, well, thank you for letting me have my mom on. It was a very cute family moment for us. Yeah. Well, we have some catching up to do. I feel like I haven't really like been watching social media very much this week. What What have you been up to? <laughs> You're like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not too much. I had a really fun weekend. It was Connor's birthday yesterday. So that was on a Monday. But the past weekend, we celebrated his birthday. So we kind of did, you know, what Connor wants to do on Saturday. So he got tickets from work for the Cardinals game and Last weekend was their opening weekend. So it was the second game of the season and we had so much fun. We brought our two friends that are moving next month. So we're like, okay, this would be a good activity to, you know, spend more time together before they move to Austin, Texas. So exciting. But yeah, but the game was so fun. The fun part though is that I was sitting in my seat and this camera guy walked past us and like sat maybe six rows down from us. And my friend Maddie, she turned to me and she's like, you should tell him to put you on the camera. Like you should go tell him that you should be on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no stop. Literally five seconds later, I get like a tap on my shoulder. Hi, do you want to be the person that plays the next game on the screen? I'm like, oh my gosh. Like she literally manifested that for me. So then like 10 seconds later, they're like the camera guy turns around and then I'm playing this little game in front of 40,000 people at the stadium. That is the most Kara thing ever. (laughs) I love it. Like I should be like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised. That's so crazy. But it's like, of course that happened, which is amazing. Like you just (laughs) always find a way to bring these situations into your life. And it's awesome. It's just being open to receiving that. Yeah, it's the lucky girl syndrome. Like when that video back in what, August of last year started going viral, the girl saying lucky girl syndrome, I'm like, this is me. This is my whole life. Like I will claim that. I I have. I have been I have been claiming it. And I don't know if I made a video about this or I said this on the podcast, but literally no, you did. ever you since you did make a video. I remember it. Yeah. But or the reason why I feel like I have lucky 
Cheeky Girl Syndrome is because Irish. I'm Irish, of course. My name is super Irish. So my name's Kara, but it looks like Sierra. And literally ever since I was in kindergarten, first grade, as long as I can remember, I would just tell myself that I'm lucky because everyone calls me Sierra and my name is so Irish that the universe rewards me for everyone calling me Sierra by giving me good luck. <laughs> oh, it's like trying to make up for it. It makes up for it. So I'm not kidding. Ever since elementary school, when I started winning, I'm like, oh, I'm winning all the time because the world feels bad for me that everyone thinks my name is Sierra because I'm Irish. So it's like the luck of the Irish paying me back as a, sorry about that. That is amazing. I love the backstory. So I feel like that's why I'm so lucky is because I've just convinced myself that the luck of the Irish has my back because they feel bad for me. So yeah. Kind of cool to our younger selves though, because your young self set you up with, I have lucky girl syndrome before lucky girl syndrome was a thing. And then young me made up my three-year policy. And those videos are doing not your level well on socials, but like they're getting a lot of people are like, wait, this is, I've never thought of that. And it's, they're both concepts that we were channeling when we were like little kids. Yeah. Which is so crazy. And kind of relating to the episode, it's like our younger selves are being creative. They were in their flow state. They're making these rules and we're still living by them today. I love it. But yeah, sum up my weekend. That was so fun. I won a $50 gift card. Hey, to the gas station. So okay, love big spender. Card, but also for 40,000 people watching, they couldn't have bumped that up to like a hundred. They didn't have no, a I know. budget. No, I know. It was so <laughs> funny. Someone was like, why is no one more excited when you're winning? Like, no, I was when cheering louder, it just seemed like the crowd was really quiet. I'm like, yeah, because we had a $25 gift card for hot dogs on the line. Like, (laughs) who's getting rowdy about that? Literally no one. Yeah, that's... So bizarre. They could do more. Yeah. Actually, let's just call out Quick Trip. Quick Trip, you need to up your sponsor budget because that was embarrassing. And it's like, okay, imagine how much they had to pay to get that sponsorship spot. They couldn't bump the budget up a little bit more to include a higher value gift card. Yeah. We couldn't do $100 worth of hot dogs or $100 worth of soft drinks. Like, come on. Oh my gosh. So silly. That's so funny you said that though. Because yeah, someone literally said the same thing. They're like, what? What's going on? So, but yeah, really fun birthday weekend for Connor. He loved the game. And then we went out with friends afterwards and ended up being a really nice day. So loving this warmer weather. And then, yeah, yesterday I connected with a girl I know from TikTok. So that was really fun. We're mutuals on TikTok and she's visiting St. Louis from South Africa. Shout out to Max, my new friend. And yeah, we got lunch and she's going to be going to Chicago next. And her brother, who's also South African, ended up marrying a girl from St. Louis who was visiting South Africa. Africa. They fell in love. Now they've been married six years and now they live in St. Louis. So oh God, she was just in so town. Cool. Yeah. And just was like, do you want to get lunch? And that was the first thing I asked her. I'm like, why are you here from Cape Town? Why St. Louis? Wait, I should connect her. Clay's cousin's wife is also from South Africa and she lives here uh-huh. in Nebraska. So maybe they should be friends so that they can talk about how crazy different probably the U.S. <laughs> is compared to South Africa. Yeah. If they're ever in St. Louis or if they ever go to Omaha, I, I think they absolutely should connect. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, wait. I feel like I I have to say I'm like hating on the $25 hot dog gift card and our current giveaway that we're like about to say is for two $50 gift cards. But that's <laughs> us. Like we're just two yeah. little gals out here and we're doing more than the Cardinals game. So yeah, literally. Yeah, you're like, wait, I should backtrack so we don't make ourselves look silly. You're so right. Like how much money, I think the biggest, it's like how much money are the Cardinals making? The top player, I think gets paid like 30 million a year. And just they're for offering some a $25 gift card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like more scared. Back to that story. I was just scared I was going to lose. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe I should have taken the $25 gift card. Like you're being so greedy. Well, wait, why? Okay, explain it. Because you 
Okay, yeah. I didn't explain the game. The game is Press Your Luck. Have you ever seen that game show with like the whammy? It's a game show from the 80s, 90s. But basically mm-hmm. you press the button and then you stop it and you could win a prize. Maybe you win a jet ski or maybe you win a hot tub and you keep going. But maybe if you like all your prizes, then you stop and you take your prizes. But you can press your luck to keep winning more prizes. So the first time I stopped, you get to do it three times in the Cardinals version. The first time I got a $25 gift card. So he's like, do you want to keep the gift card or do you want to press your luck and try for something better? And so I was like, yeah, I want to press my luck and try for something better. So the second time I also won a $25 gift card. So I'm like, how is that? Like, yeah, we need to up the ante. Like we need to make the prizes better each time. So then I'm like, okay, of course I'm going to play again because I'm not just going to settle again. $25 gift card. So that was my third and final try. And then that's when I got the $50 gift card. But I could have hit a whammy and lost it all. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That would have been kind of awkward to have all those people being like, oh, <laughs> should have took the hot dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Were you nervous? No, honestly, I wasn't, which is surprising because it's not, I don't know. I'm just like, Give you weird perspective, though, of like how many people follow you on TikTok that just on any given time you make a TikTok, you're actually speaking to like seven times more people. Than that was there. Yeah. No, that doesn't really cross my mind, but it's true. But I feel like if anything, it made me want to be in front of cameras and the spotlight more. Like I love being on stage, like kind of how your mom talks about this episode. But like I thrive being on camera and like being interviewed Mm -hmm. and stuff or just being someone that interviews people. Like I need to find a job where I can do that because I kind of left with a high after that moment. I'm like, wait, I want to get back on the spotlight. Like, I want to be back on the TV. Because if anyone doesn't know, that's kind of what you were originally going to school for, right? Yeah. I did broadcast journalism to start out. But then I kind of, it was what, 2015, 2016, I kind of could see that our world was moving more to digital. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I can just go host a web show. Like, I don't want to be hosting the news and having to wake up. That was the other thing. I'm not a morning person and you have to wake up at like 3 or 4 a.m. So just some things are out of line. But I'm like, there's opportunity to do this exact same thing, just not in the broadcast world. And I was totally right because there is, there's so many opportunities to be on camera in that, you know, realm, but not in traditional TV news. So yeah. Well, claiming it here first, you were open to receiving more opportunities in front of large crowds. We love this. Go you. It won't be me. I need to figure it out. But I will be supporting (laughs) you and hyping you up and liking every video I see. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay, that's enough of my updates. Anything new with you? What's going on? How's the store? Store is great. We officially had our first month. Everything went really well. Obviously, you know, there's goals that I still have of upgrades we want to make in there and making some processes mm-hmm. a little better. But for the first month, I'm like, whoa, that went so well. Like, is is this possible? But it is because I put in a lot of all of us, me and my two other co-owners, like put so much in for years previously for it to be able to be at that point. Mm-hmm. And I also have an update for everyone on my living situation. Are you ready? I've been stringing everyone along for like four months. I'm so ready. Are you ready? So I talked to my owner and I signed a new lease that I can do short term vacation rentals out of our place, aka an Airbnb or a boutique little, not like a bed and breakfast, but like a little stay. So the last like 48 hours, I have been going down that whole rabbit hole. And then, okay, you know, too, okay, last week you were talking about how I wasn't in the spring cleaning mode yet because I didn't know which direction I could go. Mm-hmm. I have entered the spring cleaning chat. I, oh God, because we're getting all of like our personal stuff out. So you can see the dust like on the floorboards and like the deep, deep, stuff. And I'm thinking that we're a clean people and that we have a tidy space. And then when you go to move out of a place, you're like, oh man, oh man, we got a lot to clean here. So like even the the vents, like the amount of dust that gets caught in vents, 
So that's kind of my project, but it's going to be so fun. One part of me is like, I want to launch it this weekend just because I'm like excited, but I want to do it right. And I'm also trying to find the balance of not waiting until it's perfectly ready and perfectly how I want it. Because like we opened 1404 way before we were quote unquote ready, but we already had, I don't know, I think it was like $19,000 of sales our first month. So it's like if we would have pushed off one more month, that was a couple hundred dollars, a couple hundred sales of people that came in, well, probably thousands of customers to convert to 400 sales to come in if I had just waited a little longer. So I don't want to push off opening the Airbnb for too long, but I also want to, you know, do a good job. So we'll see how long that takes. Maybe a couple weeks. Oh my gosh. Well, give me a chance to react because like this is so exciting. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. Thanks. And I did manifest this. So I'll probably share it on my story when this goes live. I stayed at an Airbnb in Joshua Tree, not this time in the winter, but when I went two summers ago and I made this caption. I was like, no, claiming this caption for myself. Sorry if you're reading this, but like I will have an Airbnb. I'm putting it out here to the world. Like I want this. And you guys know I went and did that Airbnb course in December, like went to that workshop, was tight with Gerardo. We were working together. So I've been like trying to take the steps to get there, but I did not think that it was going to be in our apartment. And now I'm feeling like such a brat because I've been like this dang bar goes in downstairs and it's disrupted my sleep. But the only reason we got to sign a new lease to have an Airbnb up here is because of the bar going in downstairs. And I'm like, well, this will be great for the neighborhood. Like people can come and stay. They can support a little shops, go to the coffee shop, whatever. And it probably wouldn't have happened if the bar hadn't gone in downstairs. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely like a trust the universe's process of just being like, I put it out there that I was asking for something. And then I took the aligned action of asking the owner, but it just kind of had to work itself out in its own way. Like I always kind of imagined my first one being, I don't know, some house that Clay and I bought and like flipped or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of still trying to figure out like if I'll brand it like under New Wave or if I'll use Sunseekers or if I'll have it as like a personal. So I definitely have like a lot of back end logistics things to figure out and then how that will affect New Wave's half of that creative space. But yeah, things to come. It's so weird telling you guys like step by step because old me before we had the podcast, like I would just only like share inklings on social media of like how much you wanted to share. But now I feel like with the podcast, when big changes are happening in our lives, we kind of have to give like some updates of breadcrumbs along the way. And it's a fear of mine that I have to get over of being like, it's okay if it doesn't end up working out. And I told people, for example, you said like, okay, this weekend I'm going to go to Chicago and you end up going to Chicago. I said probably a million different business plans that maybe have taken other directions. Like it's okay. And we actually talk about that in this episode too, that if you're doing something and you don't want to do it anymore, stop doing it. It's fine. And just because I remember Clay and I telling people that we were going to move to New York and then we didn't. It's like, well, oh, well. Yeah. So who's holding you to that? Just yourself. And if you don't hold yourself to it, then it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Practicing non-attachment. So that's the plan. We'll see what happens. Um, But I think that would be so cute because then if like podcast listeners, new customers come into town, they can like stay in the place and have a cute little little bohemia time. There's free parking. No, I I cannot think of a better use for that space. Of course, it first being your dream apartment, but like it's made to be just the most gorgeous Airbnb stay. I think it'll be so cute. And if anyone's like, okay, so there's loud music, so you're moving out and Airbnb it, valid, super valid, but it's only really bad if you're like living here every single day. Like if you, you know, let's say you go stay in Times Square or something like it's going to be loud that night, but you're not living that every single day. So I think it'll be fine for an Airbnb. Like 
you can stay up until one or two o'clock in the morning when you're on vacation. But I just don't want that for me, you know, for the entirety of my life. And to give some context, you literally have misophonia, which is very incredibly sensitivity to sounds. So I could probably go spend the night at your apartment as someone who can sleep through anything and doesn't wake up to anything and be just fine with a sound machine. Oh my God, I'm provide so some jealous. earplugs. I'm yeah. So, I just so it, like it honestly, you should cut yourself some slack because I feel like that is something that's really sensitive to you is your hearing and you hear everything. You could hear a pin drop. And like for someone like me, I can, I would probably wouldn't even think anything of it. Okay. Well, that's good. Cause yeah, cause my friend lives above a bar in Chicago. And I have spent the night at her apartment three or four different times and I didn't even really notice there was a bar underneath us. And it's an old 100-year-old apartment too. Okay. And yeah, and that's why I figured. I'm like, there are situations like this all over the world where there's an Airbnb in a busy area. Yeah. Like fine. the Airbnb I lived in in Charleston for a month. They let us know like, oh, it's on a busy street. We have sound machines in every single room. There's earplugs. I didn't even notice. So <laughs> I think it just depends on your sensitivity. Okay. That's really reassuring. Yeah. Like this will not be a, a quiet retreat in the desert, FYI. But aesthetically, we can try and make it look that way. Yeah, it's in downtown Omaha. That's what a downtown cityscape is, is noise and hustle and bustle. So yeah. And it's also crazy to me that I'm like, okay, so where are Clay and I going to live? And also it worked out so well. I feel like I'm like living in a fever dream because Clay, starting on Friday night for the next two and a half weeks, he's dog sitting for his parents' best friend out West at their house, like with their two dogs. And they have a pickup truck. They're pretty financially well off. All the cleaning supplies you can need. I think they're going overseas or something for like two weeks. They were like, whatever you guys need, you can borrow our trucks, borrow the Denali, take our cleaning things. So like Clay came down yesterday Day with the truck, we went. I bought this perfect couch off Facebook Marketplace, eighty dollars. Pull out sleeper sofa. It we did wow. kind of um break a little part of the wall getting it up the stairs. Also, oh my god, guys, I have so much to tell you. These episodes are going to be three <laughs> hours long now. That I'm not recording at the studio, but so me and my mom were trying to get this couch up the stairs yesterday. Me and my mom are on the bottom. Clay's at the pulling the couch up the stairs, right? And we just the way we had to shift it because it was a little too wide to fit through the door frame. We needed one more person, and my mom out loud goes, "Oh." We just need one more guy. No joke. Two seconds later, this guy pops up and goes, hey, do you guys need help? We all three like look at each other and we're like, what the fuck? Where did you come from? And I was like, "Um, yeah, that would be great. He was probably like, I don't know, 25, just like walking down the street, happens to offer help literally touches the couch. It perfectly moves through the door frame, like exactly the maneuver we needed. And I was like, what's your name? And he was like, Nick, got it to the top of the stairs. And he was like, okay, bye. We were like, what just happened? Like that was crazy. And yeah, I, I don't know the couch that we got. I think the girl's grandpa had passed away. So the couch is in like perfect condition, matches, has the pullout sofa. Things are just like going so well that I'm like, could it be this easy? I'm letting it be this easy. I'm trying not to get attached to how well things are flowing, but it feels very nice after living in this month of like what is happening now I'm, yeah thank you. now I know what's happening this is nice thank you universe for the clarity appreciate it I think it's just a sign that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing and the, the world's thanking you I hope oh, and my mom and Clay are gonna help we have our like little roles divvied out my mom will be the plant mom and the welcome basket maker Clay will be the cleaner I'll be the marketer boom no it's perfect yeah well this is so exciting again I couldn't think of a better use for the space and as someone who's been there and has 
stayed there. It's just a great spot. So we'll have to keep everyone posted for how they can book it. Yeah, yeah, TBD. But I'll definitely be sure to update you guys. And I think it'll be fun to just learn a new industry. Yeah. What else? Yeah, it's a great spot because it's like a what? Two bedroom, one bathroom, like very manageable. You can learn and then hopefully take it to other properties and do more. That is the goal. My mom was like, we can Airbnb my house. She's like, I'll get another place. And we're all like, okay, we're going to slow down. But we were like, the idea is... (laughs) My sister has um, that trailer, like home thing that she built. So mm-hmm. it was like a flatbed trailer and then she built walls on it. So her and her friend could road trip across the country for a month. Well, now she's not using it because she's teaching. And I'm like, Ash, we could Airbnb that out. There's gonna be other people that want to like van life it for a month, which is also like so fun. So, but yeah, the updates to come. I'm sure there will be a lot to navigate over the next coming weeks. So I'm very excited. But one other thing I want to talk about is the new Lemon 8 app. Oh my gosh. I know. I was thinking that we need to talk about this. Should we save it for next week? Because we could do a lot of talking about this. Yeah. Okay. I'll put on the notes so we don't forget. But yeah, thank you for the excitement. I'm definitely eager to update you guys weekly with this new journey and just to see how everything shakes out. Okay. Amazing. Should we do Peaks of the Week? Yes. All right. What's yours? Okay. Low key. This is so silly, but the bank that I bank at for 1404 is directly across the street. It's like a smaller little Nebraska bank. And their original location, I think there's a couple in Omaha, was in this neighborhood called Dundee. It's called Dundee Bank. And the building that it went in used to be a grocery store. So to honor the old neighborhood grocery store, they made their logo like an apple and they have free honey crisp apples for anyone that goes in there. So apparently at the original location, like They said all these old people in the neighborhood like come in every morning with their newspapers and like get an apple. So with the location that's directly out my door, like I can see it. It is 50 feet across the street. No joke. I have literally gotten 10 apples in the last week. I like pop in and they're like here for your apple. I'm like, yep. Because I don't like have a lot of groceries right now with everything happening. And they have um, the boxed water. So bougie. Mm-hmm. So I just walk in. I'm like, hey, Elliot, just, uh, and he's like, please take them. He's like, because it's a newer location. So no one really knows about the apples yet. And he's like, we have to throw so many away. And I was like, do not throw away the honey crisp apples. I will eat all of them. So it's like my little routine. I like go down, take peaches for a walk. We walk in, we get our little apple, go check the mail. It's like the cutest, most wholesome little community thing. It just kind of makes me so happy. Like the small touches that a business can do, it goes such a long way. No, I'm obsessed. That's amazing. Yeah, those are bougie apples. You cannot be throwing those away. I know. I'm like, call me when they're on their last day. I will come get all of them and freeze them. Yeah, (laughs) that's hilarious. That's great. And what is yours? Yeah, I would say peak of the week, of course, getting on the Jumbotron. That was so fun. And then I have an exciting brand deal kind of collab that I got this week that I'm so excited about. It's so in line with everything that I want to do. And it kind of just gave me hope that all the stuff that I'm doing is doing it right. Like it's going well. So that was very much a happy moment in all the craziness that's been going on behind the scenes. So very pumped about that. Some reassurance from the universe. Like, yes, keep keep chugging along. Yes. Oh my gosh. A million percent. Oh my God. I'm so happy for you. I want to know what it is, but I'll say it next week. I'll say it next week. But I like just, we like don't have time. We got (laughs) to, we got to get into this episode. Okay. 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 Uh, see, this is, guys, now that Karen and I both record at home, when we had the studio before, I, we had to book it like in advance by our time chunks. So we were efficient. And now, yada, 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 we just talk, talk, talk. We could end up having like yeah. three hour episodes. Which we love. But also, we're like, oh my gosh, we need to go. <laughs> like, this is too long. But no, I love it. Okay, let's read your guys' peaks. Okay, I love this one from Kay. 
She said, quit my job and moved across the country with my fiance. Love the ambition. I hope everything goes so well for you. Good luck. And we can't wait to hear more. McKenna said swimming in the ocean. McKenna is my sister. So I love that for her. I'm so jealous. I would love to take a little dip in the ocean right about now. Oh my gosh. Grace said left to go backpack Europe. Oh my God. I'm so excited for everyone who's like now going to be traveling all summer and just having the time of their life. We're really trying to build up our Facebook group, Artie Friends and travel. So if you guys need to find travel friends, like please post in there. Like literally everyone in there wants that. So please mm-hmm. go connect with each other. One more traveling one for good measure. Hannah said, traveling to small towns around Cabo, challenging my Spanish and eating great food. That also sounds so lovely right now. Live your best life, girl. We are here for it. Yay. As always, send in your peaks of the week on our Instagram at Podcast every Monday in the question box. Yes, and our quick announcements. As always, if you want more episodes of Already Friends, you can't get enough. And once a week is not enough for you. We have all of our bonus episodes on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash alreadyfriends. We post the first of every month on there. And then there's tons of episodes backlogged. So you can go listen there. And of course, we're doing our rating and review giveaway. Leave us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and send it to us on our Instagram. More details at the end of the show for what you can win. But yeah, we appreciate you guys for those reviews and thank you so much in advance. And with that, we can get into announcing today's guest. Like I said, this is my mom, Dr. Sandra Schillington. She is the youngest of eight. She grew up in South Dakota and then moved around a little bit, had a very fun, explorative, curious 20s. Wonder where I got that from. And now she is a professor in the College of Education here at UNO. It is actually so funny how many people are like, I had your mom as a teacher because she's been there for 23 years. So basically, if there's someone who's a teacher in the Omaha area, they probably had my mom. And it's even cute how many like customers come into New Wave or have listened to the podcast because they're like, your mom shouted you out, which is so cute. So my mom is just the best. She's always been such a warm, supportive, caring presence in my life. And I'm so honored that Kara is letting me have her on today. It's been cool that you guys have kind of got to slowly know our families. We had Kara's two of her three siblings on, Brady and McKenna. So you can go back and listen to those if you want. Eventually, we'll get both of your parents. Eventually, we'll get my dad and my sister. But yeah. So without further ado, here is my mom to speak on intellectual wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, By Burke Small Business Insurance. Whether you're a contractor, a consultant, photographer, podcaster, life coach, boutique owner, whatever you do with your small business, there's a good chance insurance can protect you and your company from the potential risks of owning a business. By Burke makes it quick and easy for small businesses to buy business insurance online. No middleman fees or hassle. You can get a quote in minutes and be covered the next day. By Burke is who we use for our own business insurance of the Already Friends brand, as well as my two other businesses, New Wave and Fortune. Collective. I've been a customer of theirs for years and clearly I'm a big fan as I keep choosing them again and again. They have a lot of specialty coverage areas that cater to small businesses and entrepreneurs that I couldn't find at other companies. Viberg is part of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway company, so you can trust they will be there financially if something happens. They have a 4.9 star average customer review rating and it is truly a one-stop shop for your business insurance needs. Yeah, like Allison said, they specialize in micro businesses and small businesses. So as a company of two, it made so much sense to work with them. They 
they customized our policy for our podcast. And it was so great to work with one of their licensed agents. So you can save up to 20% and get a policy as low as $35 a month when you go online to buybrick.com. Or you can call 1-866-757-4487 to talk to an insurance expert. As always, we'll have the link in our show notes as well as on our website. Thank you to Buybrick Business Insurance for being a sponsor of the Artie Friends podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Rosetta Stone. They are the most trusted language learning program out there. They've been experts for 30 years and millions of users have trusted them to help them learn second, third, fourth languages. And this is especially timely for me because one of my goals for the year, I literally just said this in our Patreon goal setting workshop last week, is that I want to learn Spanish. I studied German in college and unfortunately, I don't get to go to Germany or Austria very often, but I have been spending a lot of time in South America and Mexico. I spent all of January in Colombia and I loved it so much that I'm going back in April. I'm going to Tulum next week and I'm like, you know what? It is time that I really buckle down and get better at Spanish. If you also are thinking of traveling more, learning second, third, fourth languages, I can't recommend getting started with Rosetta Stone enough. If you would like to get Rosetta Stone and not put off learning language any longer, there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Artie Friends listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off for unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. And thank you to Rosetta Stone for sponsoring the Artie Friends podcast and helping me in my Spanish language learning journey. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next Next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the Already Friends podcast. All right, real quick, we want to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered straight to your door. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and more. We absolutely love Factor. I cannot even tell you how delicious these meals are, guys. And I just love that you just throw it in the microwave. It's ready in two minutes. I've had some crazy busy weeks lately. and all my free time, I'm wedding planning. I'm trying to eat right for my wedding. And 
Factor makes it so easy to do that. They have high protein meals, which I love. I'm trying to hit those 30 grams of protein every single meal. And Factor meals do that time and time again. They have delicious snacks, smoothies, and more. I love the coffee and chocolate breakfast smoothie. It's a protein smoothie and it is so delicious. I just can't tell you enough of how good and delicious Factor is. It's seriously the real deal. And if you guys use our code ALREADYFRIENDS50, you'll get 50% off. Again, that is ALREADYFRIENDS50 for 50% off your first order. And that's at factormeals.com. So go to factormeals.com slash ALREADYFRIENDS50 to give Factor a try for yourself. It's seriously so worth it. And we're so grateful to have them as a sponsor of the Already Friends podcast. Guys, we are joined by such a special guest today. It is my mom, but I wanted you guys to get to know her outside of being Allison's mom. And we're so excited to have you today. I'm so excited to be here. Well, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do for work, and what your day-to-day looks like. Oh, thank you, Kara. Where do I live? I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. We moved here as a family in 2000, so we've been here for about 23 years. So that's a little bit of time to be here. I work at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. I've been in the College of Education, Health and Human Sciences, all 23, three years. So I work in a field of academians, intellectuals, and creatives, and I've been blessed to be in a profession that I love. I'm a curious person, a seeker of knowledge, and I have an absolute love for human connection. So I kind of feel like I'm a student of life. I became a teacher as it seemed like it was a clear path to share my knowledge and create connections with others. So as I reflected, I've been a teacher or a student all of my life, and I love the energy of educators and the art and science of teaching. I love that. Before we recorded, my mom and I were just talking on Sunday, I think it was. We were having, I was like, mom, you can say no, but I would love for you to come on the podcast because you're the smartest woman I know. And we were going through the eight dimensions. And this was even way back when Karen and I started the series. Like, okay, who should we have for each guest? And we got to intellectual. And I was like, well, I've got a very intellectual woman in my life. So I know exactly who to ask. But uh, moving back to your upbringing, because I feel like we need to start with where it all started. What was your life like growing up that led you down this path of pursuing knowledge for not just a career, but for personal wellness as well? Oh, it's been a, I come from a family of um, 10. There's eight of us kids and I'm the youngest of eight kids. And how did I end up becoming an educator, a teacher, a lifelong learner? Well, I come from a whole family and a whole line of creatives. I would consider my dad to be an artist. He was a carpenter. He was a tradesman. He was a gifted bridge builder. And he loved to doodle and sketch sitting in his recliner. Animals, anything regarding nature. My mom, her art, her creativity was raising children. Her garden was an absolute matrix of beauty. She loved to bake with no recipes. So if that's not an art, I'm not sure what is. That family of creatives includes my siblings. You know, out of the eight of us, I think six of us hold college degrees. Backtrack, neither of my parents are high school graduates. So it was instilled in us at a very early, early age that education and a love for learning was important. So we were taught to love what we do and do what we love or do something else. So my parents, they valued that education and knowledge acquisition, and they taught us to learn inside and outside. We spent a lot of time outside connecting and riding horses, feeding chickens, watering, you know, the grass, the gardens, and just being active on our little acreage. Okay, I'd love to talk about you and your mom and the garden. Would you Mm -hmm. go into that? My relationship with my mother, I would just put one word to it, and it was magical. 
Um, my mother was a very spiritual, just, uh, she had this wholesome vibe about her and she just seemed to, even though there were 10 kids, just a lot going on at all times. And my mother's refuge, her place of peace, her peace of balance every day from planting those seeds and those potatoes in that rich South Dakota soil to them watching them sprout out of the ground. I spent the majority of my life, I kind of like my siblings always joked, on my mama's apron strings. And because she literally back in the day wore an apron. And, uh, and you were the youngest. I was the youngest. I was mama's girl. I was Aww. a baby. And uh, I learned everything about gardening. Her garden was so intentional. I mean, there was so much creativity. She had her marigolds to wield off the rabbits, and she had her deal with her peppers and her gourds and her pumpkins and everything that you needed to can once fall harvest began. And she was <laughs> always bent over and her skin, she always called it the color of chestnuts. She would bronze up. And of course, growing up, I thought my mother was literally the most beautiful human being, um, bigger than life, just this incredible, nurturing, kind, creative. She was almost like Mother Earth. Oh, what a wow. what a beautiful description. And your dad also was very handy with life. You know, you said he's very into carpentry, very into drawing. So you had your mom who was teaching you guys the practical life skills of how to take care of the household, how to grow food, how to cook, how to clean. And then what was your dad's role? Oh, my dad's role was just to be a biggest cheerleader and fan. So he drove this old Ford truck, this green truck. And um, I said that my mother was a very spiritual person, but there would be times that eight kids in the house that was just a bit much. And she would often threaten us. What was my dad's role. His role was to, when my mom would say the words, you wait until your dad gets home. <laughs> that meant as soon as that Ford truck pulled up, we ran out the back back door and jumped right in the cab. And he knew that was code for we're going for a ride. And he taught us everything. My girls and I are pretty handy with the screwdriver, with a paintbrush, with a mop bucket, inside, outside, give us a task or an activity. So there was no off limits in my dad's outbuildings. And as he was a carpenter and tradesperson, the only rule was if you took it out of the toolbox, toolbox, you put it back where it belonged. So you can't imagine the thousands of nails and the hammers that were broken and the clubhouses and the forts that were built on that little acreage. And my dad's role was just to encourage us to keep building, keep dreaming, keep growing. And I think that's a great segue into like why we really wanted to have this conversation because you guys listening might be in that like 20 to 30 year old age range and you're wanting to be a lifelong learner. But at some point you might be having kids or even if you have roommates, a partner, how to foster an environment where you feel safe to explore different things, whether that's, I want to figure out how to hang this up today, or I want to start doodling. I want to start a podcast. Literally everything takes intellectual wellness. And mom, I think this would be a great place. You and I were talking last night about, would you want to talk about how um, every one of the other dimensions kind of starts with your with your mindset? It absolutely does. You know, I thought so much after Allison asked me, you know, would you be willing to talk about intellectual wellness? And I'm like, intellectual wellness? What in the world do I know about that? <laughs> well, working in this field of education all of my life, as I reflected and look back at the other seven dimensions of wellness, I just made a huge connection that my intellectual wellness is aligned with the other seven dimensions. 
So if I'm cognizant of the physical, emotional, occupational, financial, social, and environmental areas of wellness, I think the intellectual wellness drives all of that. And so what do I mean by that? So upon awakening, I know you two can relate, the mind is off to the races, Mm -hmm. right? So my intellectual wellness drives all that I do, how I think, how I feel, how I interact with others, my relationships, my perceptions, my drive, my motivation, and my feelings of self-worth. So here's the crazy thing though, ladies. I am the only one in control of my intellectual wellness. I can give no power to any of those other seven dimensions over my intellectual wellness. So when I have intellectual wellness in the all eight dimensions, um, I don't engage in negative self-talk. I don't drift into remorse. I don't dr- drift into trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to do for, you know, with my day. So upon awakening, I don't think about work. Mm-hmm. Work is the last thing on my mind because I can't let my mind go there or else it drives my day. So with that, can you kind of just walk us through your morning and what those pieces of intellectual wellness look like and how you're taking care of it? It's like you said, you try not to think of work and you don't think of work right when you wake up. So what are some of the things that you do to take care of your mind to not think about work and to not go down that path? That is a great question. So I wish I knew now what, as I reflect back on my 20-year-old self and how it is that I started my day. And I think our late teens, our early 20s, and going into the 30s, life drives us. So it took me decades of fussing and worrying and stewing and stressing and living in, which I now understand is a constant state of fear. And fear of what? Success, failure, love, hate, passion, And that fear that everyone always asks you from the time you're in middle school to your young adult life, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the question that I ask my students, instead of they're there in a college of education, I ask them, what contributions do you want to make? And how did I move along that line from waking up in a constant state of chaos, mind not shutting down to my fifth decade of my life? It takes a lot of experience. And unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of teachers along the way to know that my intellectual wellness was set by my mindset, not my mindset of being just okay to wake up and be me, that I didn't have to be any shadow self. I didn't have to be anybody else. Today, I'm so comfortable in my own skin. What others think of me is none of my business. I want to think more about the world in which I live than what others think about the world in me. If I don't stay present and live every day well spent. So I have a very simple life. I have a very routinized life. And that is why I have intellectual wellness. Upon awakening, I used to get up, hit the alarm or hit snooze, feet on floor, out the door. Not today. I wake up. I'm a very early riser, (laughs) as my children know. I don't move. I literally stay there and I breathe in and breathe out. Breathe out. I take some conscious contact and I drift and then I stretch and then I get up and very routinized. I have my little kitchen table with all of my spiritual tools, my books, my readings, my, you know, I sent, resent my house every day and I just make conscious contact with, for me, it's a higher power. You can make conscious contact with the universe. And I take time for me. I don't let the world consume my thoughts. I don't let work consume my thoughts. And shortly after that, and that routine can be anywhere between, you know, 
since I arrived so early, I'm never against a deadline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My next choice, I don't go to work until 8.30, but I'm up four or five hours prior to that. And so I have a lot of time that I invest in self. And why do I do that? Is because for several decades, I kept running from life instead of to life. And I just worried too much about what the world thought about me. So that brain, my cognitive thought patterns was always worried about what's going to happen next. I'll stop you right there for a second, because as you're saying this, it's making me think of Michaela that we had on. She says she hates the word try. And I feel like that plays a part in here because if you wake up and you're like, I'm going to try to be a good mom today. I'm going to try to make the breakfast. I'm going to try to get a clean house instead of just being like, I'm just doing it. I'm just being a mom. I'm just going with the flow of life. I'm just going to meditate, not trying, because it almost seems like the word trying implies that you aren't that yet, that you're trying to get to be some person that you're not, instead of just being yourself right there in that moment and meeting yourself where you are. Absolutely. You know, not every day do you wake up and that, you know, you just feel a sense of wellness because life happens. There is always something going on. But if I start my day with intentionality and my day is starts with a focus on me, not as a young mom, I wish I knew this, you know, in my 20 or 30 year old self as a young mom, you know, um, married, mortgages, household, careers, graduate school, relocations, and just kind of in that state of chaos. So, you know, these eight dimensions, you know, that just seems like a lot of work. I have to mm-hmm. work about financial and occupational and spiritual and emotional. And, and where am I in all that? I could even filter that out in my 20s and 30s. And I think it takes being a student of life, you know, so wonder if you don't want to read, wonder if you're not, you know, consider yourself a lifelong learner. If you're up and out of bed and awake for, you know, 14, 18 hours, you're a student of life. I love my brother who is a creative. He's a bronze caster and he has a sophomore in high school education. And he is the smartest, most zen little cowboy creative. I'm picturing it in my head. It's a little cowboy hat and his goatee. And he's just one of the loves of my life that I admired because he exudes peace. He's a creative. He's an artist. And I can guarantee you, my brother Jack doesn't care what anybody thinks about Mm -hmm. him. He just creates. It's not to impress anybody. And he taught me that as, you know, there's probably about 10 years between us is that um, I think you need to observe peace. I think you need to observe people that are super connected to self, mind, body, and spirit that they can make a living and do what it is that they have to do to pay the bills. But what drives their very soul is what it is that they want to create. And that doesn't mean create works of art. That means creating the life that you want to live. And he had very limited resources. He was a very young father. And his kids are pretty zen as well. Mm -hmm. You know, he and his wife did a remarkable job of then raising two creatives that are fiercely independent, that live life, embrace life. I would love to segue into talking about how our creativity is killed at a young age. Because if someone's listening to this and you're like, I'm not an artist, I'm not a creative, like I'm into math and science. Just wait, because my mom's going to prove you wrong here. (laughs) 
one of the assignments, the very first assignments that I have, where I teach educational foundations, ethics, and the history and philosophy of education. So just ask yourself, where does this assignment fit in with anything? So for me, what I want to allow my students to know is that teaching is an art and a science. The teaching is the performance. It's the creative piece. And that's where I put all my focus and energy. You know, for three hours on Monday and Wednesday, I get to perform and my stage is my classroom. And I give them a piece of eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And I said, you need to take this home and you need to create a self-portrait. There's only two criteria. It can be face only and it need, you had to have to add color. And then on the back, I asked them, you know, some demographic information about themselves. And they look at me with this look of fear. And they're like, but I'm not an artist. I can't even draw a stick person. Well, no, I'm not doing this. Tell me, I need more direction. I said, you draw your face on the front and then you add color. But I'm not a self-portrait artist. I can't do this. And so they bring it back the next class period and they're all portraits are face down. No one is willing to reveal their self-portrait. And uh, so in a very comfortable space, I share mine and it's uh, it's rough. It's not a, you know, I'm not a self-portrait artist as well. And then all of the fear is gone. And then they share them out as table partners. And here's where you will find those that understand the art of teaching. I share with them. Your fear of sharing that portrait is because your dream was killed in second grade. And they look at me and they're like, well, what dream was that? And I said, in our second grade self, in our second grade self, we were all artists. We colored inside the lines, outside the lines. We filled the space when asked. We colored that pumpkin green or purple or not orange, those goofy turkeys that we used to make with the feathers. Allison's didn't look like anybody else's. You know, Richard Hoon, my classmate, my second grade classmate, he is a gifted artist today. He colored outside of the lines. He was a nonconformist. He didn't follow the rules. He put his own spin on whatever art project we were supposed to do. And I said, so this portrait that you created, that is your second grade self. That is when your love and your passion for creativity, because in third grade, we started comparing our innermost self to others. And they connect with it. They understand. Yeah, because if you think about it, as we get older, we're still encouraged, you know, we're taking biology, we're taking reading, English, whatever, but the focus on creativity really dies. And I was actually telling Clay's parents this and that we were recording this intellectual wellness episode. And Clay's mom was so in agreement with you on how like that focus and support really just stops after young elementary school. And she said that her grandma I love this. I think this is the cutest thing for Clay's a son. There's four boys and she would pay each of them $1 if they would give her an art project. So to encourage them that their art matters, that it wasn't just the baseball game. It wasn't just the football game. She wanted to encourage them to keep making art. Didn't matter what it was, if it was a ceramic, if it was crayons, if it was paint, but she just loved that too. So I think that's so amazing. It wasn't about the dollar, but it was about telling those young boys, like, it's okay. You can, you can be an athlete and still draw things. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. love that. 
This episode is sponsored by Honeylove. Honeylove is revolutionizing the bra game. Can you think of a bra that you actually like to wear? One that doesn't poke you, does not hurt, and that you kind of forget that you're wearing? For me, I'm thinking of my Honeylove bra. I have fully said goodbye to wearing underwire and bulky fabric bras that trap heat. Honeylove's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. The fabric is super soft and it feels like a second skin and you'll immediately feel and notice the difference. Right now, I'm wearing the silhouette bra and I'm totally forgetting that I'm wearing a bra, but it totally lifts. It feels so supportive. It looks so good under shirts. And it's not like those bras that give you that uniboob effect when you put on a tight shirt or tight clothes. It separates, it lifts, it does everything that a bra should be doing. I'm also obsessed with the shapewear. I have the superpower thong, which is kind of like this mid-stomach shapewear piece. The way that it gives my body this hourglass shape that I did not know that I had and is so comfortable. I have traditional shapewear from a few different brands and they kind of hurt so bad. Within a couple hours, I feel like I can't breathe. But with Honey Love's shapewear, it's so comfortable. It's meant to be able to breathe, to live your day-to-day life in. And I feel like I can definitely use the shapewear for my wedding. So I'm very excited about that. So if you're ready to step into that next level comfortable bra and shapewear, it's your time to get Honey Love. Go to honeylove.com slash already friends. You can get 20% off your entire order with that link. So it's honeylove.com, H-O-N-E-Y-L-O-V-E.com slash already friends for 20% off. Make sure to use that code to show your support of the show. And thanks again to Honey Love for sponsoring the Already Friends podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc yeah because do you mind sharing why that creativity is important to your intellectualness and how it plays into all the different ways of success and happiness and wellness that we all the different parts of our lives yeah, that that creativity has just been a theme and a strand throughout my whole life, you know, so it kind of impacts how it is that I learn, you know, why is creativity important? And mm-hmm. all that I do in all of the roles that I serve in um, has to do with my mindset. Okay, back to that upon awakening thing. So I'm only productive and creative when I am cognitively cleared. So, you know, what does that mean? And that is, again, waking up and facing your day. Whatever the day holds, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a doctor, a scientist, a teacher, a preacher, it matters not. that When you're cognitively cleared, this is what I call it, I don't even know if it's a term, I am now in the zone to create. What does that mean, create? Well, I teach. I teach the performance and the art and science of teaching. That is my zone. I still get as excited 30 plus years later for every single class that I teach. 
Why? It's a performance. And so when I'm cognitively cleared, I'm emotionally grounded. And I'm physically, I'm not tired. I have no distractions. I know what my role is. I know what the performance is supposed to be. And being in that zone, when I walk into that classroom with that positive energy and synergy, hoping that I'll share something with them, you know, that is worthwhile. Now the storyboard is engaged, right? And you're like, the storyboard, what does that have to do with teaching? That is where my art of teaching then comes alive. You know, my mind is then activated and triggered to share and try to inspire those that want to be future educators to bring your authentic self to the classroom. Mm-hmm. And what does that authentic self send? I said, I can identify every one of you creatives out here. And I said, creativity and creatives are observable. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I was thinking about that as I was walking across campus and I walked past two incredibly creative women. And well, how do I know that they're creative? I think creativity can be observed by the presentation of self. Mm -hmm. Do you have your own special vibe? Do you have that purple hair strip? You know, got some Doc Martens on or, you know, they're authentically self. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I believe creativity though is an action. For many, it doesn't just come naturally. And my brother is an artist and you ask him what he is and he says he's a teacher. You know, when I ask Allison why she doesn't consider herself an artist, and I think societal terms and norms, you know, art is what we see in museums. That is what we purchase and hang on our walls. But for me, that is not what an artist is. You know, an artist is just not paintbrushes and colors and paints. It's... It's the way you do anything. Like, even if you're a dentist, it's the way that you walk into the room and talk to your patient and figure out what tools you're going to clean their teeth with. The person who's designing a bathroom has to figure out, okay, when I walk in, how should I set this up that someone can take a shower, change their clothes, go to the bathroom? Like, it's all creativity. And I think that the way society has fooled our minds into thinking that art is the only thing that's creative. But it's like literally everything is creative. People that are building websites, starting podcasts, the person who lays bricks, like everything requires that creativity. And so to tie it all back into intellectual wellness, like if no matter what you're doing, if you're a mom that's making food for your kids, that's packing up their bags, that's dressing them, if you're, I don't know, I could think of more examples, but I think you guys get the point. Kara, do you have anything to add to that? No, I love this. And it to me, I'm unpacking what intellectual wellness is within this conversation. So it's like when you wake up in the morning, making sure your brain is cognitively cleared, and then it's allowing creativity to kind of nurture your brain. Can you talk about that learning piece and how that's also part of intellectual wellness and maybe what that looks like for you as a learner of life? If you consider yourself an intellectually well person, I mean, that's kind of like a hard sell. No one ever asks me, you know, how are you doing intellectually? You know, Mm -hmm. they can observe my physical fitness. They can Mm -hmm. see and express my spirituality. They could possibly see my success in occupational wellness. But intellectual wellness is, when I say that it's observable and measurable, what I mean by that is an intellectually well person starts with self-identification, right? There is such a crisis with people with their mental health right now. If they're struggling with mental health, they're probably not aligned spiritually, creatively, cognitively, socially, emotionally. It probably impacts their relationships, their feelings of self-worth. They're probably into some possible negative self-talk. And so to be intellectually well, you just have to, for me, I have to stay present. And intellectual wellness is, requires action. 
It just doesn't come naturally. I had to be a learner of life for 20 or 30 years to realize for intellectual wellness, I just need to slow down. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're stuck in a rut where you're like, ah, I want to be in shape. I want my dream job. I want to go do those things. It requires learning. And if you aren't going to be in a space to learn, then how are you going to obtain the knowledge of how to figure out how to book a trip and pack a bag that's going to take you to Europe for the whole summer? How are you going to feel confident in yourself to rock that interview to get the promotion that you want? If you're not going to take the steps to figure out what gym you want to belong to that aligns with your fitness goals, what activities you need to do to get the body that you want, then you're not going to be able to achieve your your dream life if you're not willing to take the steps to learn how you need to get there. Yeah, it's almost like, how is no one talking about this? You're so right. It's when you think of intellectual wellness, you don't really think of anything that comes to mind, but it is the key factor to solving all of your other wellness problems. It's like you just said, that ability to want to learn and the ability to go out and do it. I just, that's a huge light bulb for me. I'm like, how is no one talking about this? And another connection I make with that is that intellectual wellness, learning and knowledge acquisition throughout our life, it takes a lifetime to acquire a lot of knowledge. So for me, being several decades past where you all are at, we hear people categorized as smart. When I first heard the words intellectual wellness, we think of me being an educator of intellectual quotient. Intellectual wellness must be correlated with intelligence. And in my mind, they have, you know, they're related because you're talking about intellectual capacities. But to be considered with one that has intellectual wellness doesn't mean that I understand brave wing patterns or I'm a behaviorist that understands how the brain works. I'm not in behavioral sciences, but I believe lifelong learners find interests, passions that drive them to want to learn more. I believe learning should be fun. It should be fun. We should love what we do and do what we love. And I tell my students that they are going into education and it's twofold. One of these parts, it may be more of a struggle. You know, teaching is an art and a science. They never have any problems with the science and science pedagogically is just the content that you're teaching. But I had this amazing young man that's a physics major and he lacks intellectual wellness. You know, if I were to categorize that, what he doesn't do, he doesn't trust himself. He knows his content. He loves physics. He loves the whole process and the act. And he thinks that maybe he should probably just research in that area versus teach in that area. And so I kept him after class and I praised his intellectual proudness and how proud I am of him that he is so academically gifted in this area. And I told him, I said, well, we need teachers like you. And he's like, but I'm not confident. I have stage anxiety. I, I, I don't think I could ever teach like you. And I said, I don't want you to ever teach like me. I want you to bring your authentic self to this stage. And when you love your content so much, Joshua, you're going to teach it well. And that's the art of teaching. Yeah, it's just being aligned with yourself and living life the way that you were meant to. And I think it's so easy with social media is to see how someone else does something and think that that's the path that you're going to take. And then we get frustrated when we see other people doing something or achieving something and we're like, I want that, but how come those results aren't coming for me? And I think a lot of it is like figuring out how to live in alignment with what you are meant to be doing and feeling safe to express yourself in that capacity. So growing up, you have always been so, so, so supportive of whatever endeavor I'm up to at the time. It doesn't matter if I was running a bar and nightclub, if I'm backpacking South America, if I'm opening a store, you have always allowed me to feel safe to tell you. I could call you up this week. 
hey, I'm opening an Airbnb. And then the next week be like, actually, I'm opening a coffee shop. And you're always like, bet, great. How can I help? You've never been like, well, what about this? What about that? You've never let me doubt myself. You've always been my number one fan. And I love that. So how, if someone doesn't have a parent or a partner in their life that's constantly supporting and encouraging them to go after what they want, how can someone be their own number one fan? Trust yourself. Tell yourself that you're worth it. You know, not all of us, some of us come from tumultuous homes and upbringings. And, you know, unfortunately, this generation, so many marriages end in divorce. They don't have stability and constancy of just living in one home. They may go to two homes and just those separated relationships. And so where do you find your people? Where do you find your support? And I think if we allow ourselves just to deep dive into our innermost selves and, but I think people need people, human beings need relationships. And you're just going to have to find in some of those other seven dimensions, connections with others that are like-minded or on a biggerest, not like you at all. My lifelong friend, Catrice, we met each other in my 19-year-old self and we're no longer 19. We have maintained this friendship long distance for 35 plus years. And what makes her my friend is that she's always been there, right? She didn't come from a very supportive family. And when I would talk about all of my siblings and whatever, she would be like, oh my gosh, what is it like to live like that? And I said, I'm lucky and blessed. I don't know how to live any other way. But I had friends that did not have supportive families. And so you, I think everybody just needs one other person. And that can be a friend. It can be a mentor. It can be someone at the gym. It can be your teacher. You know, find like-minded or not like, to be honest, Catrice and I, the only thing that we shared is that we were both teachers. Everything (laughs) about our upbringing, our style of dress, our personalities, everything else was different. And why did that work? Because she's my person. Mm -hmm. You know, we're on the same wavelength of like, I'm going to support you. You're going to support me no matter what's happening. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that that's so important to to support someone fully unconditionally? I don't know why. I I think it's because I don't know any different. That is how I was raised, right? My parents encourage us to literally do whatever it is that we wanted. And I mean, that's where my mantra, love what you do, or there's only one other choice, do something else. Why do, did I encourage my kids? I mean, they, oh my gosh, they were so active and I just wanted them to live life. So when Allison, you know, decided after her freshman year of college that she was going to go abroad and I'm like, good for you. So why am I like this? It's, you know, a lot of it has to do with my upbringing. Okay, so we've unpacked intellectualness has characteristics of mindset, of creativity, of learning, of relationships. What off the top of your head kind of are those different ways that you learn other than just book smarts? Do you have any examples of those different ways that you learn? Yes, my me and learning mode or creative mode is is pretty curious in the sense that learning mode for many of us is that I want to be alone. I want to be solo. I want to be autonomous. I want to be in a safe space. And you know what? For me, learning mode, I don't want any interruptions. When the creative flow begins, which looks in my life pretty messy, (laughs) I have all of my tools out. I have my books. I have two or three screens open. And uh, I'm jotting down ideas and or note cards or, you know, just in preparation for this, you know, you give me a task or, you know, an activity. Oh, mom, do you want to be on the podcast? And three words that have driven me for the last two weeks are, you know, the dimension of intellectual wellness. Well, you know how it is that I learn. I think many of us deep dive into a current something we're really interested in. 
So in my role, you know, teaching is the only visible thing that I do, right? Yeah, you can see me as engaged in the service activities. And if you took the effort, you could read about what it is that I write, right? And that learning for me, you have to find what works for you. You know, are you early morning, mid morning, late at night, night owl? And so many of us, I had this conversation with my colleague yesterday. She is not a morning person and she's required to teach an 830 class. And she goes, I just don't understand. Do they not know? She said this, I'm not intellectually well at 830 in the morning. I am not ready to face my day. I teach night classes. Why? That's because when I come alive then. Now, if you asked me to teach a night class, I would be intellectually tapped. So your creative space, your workspace, um, it can look however it is that you want. It can be actually my workspace. I live in a very tiny house. I don't have an office. My office, my kitchen is my sacred space. That's my creative space. That's where everything, my cooking, my baking, my decorating, everything happens at my kitchen table. But that kitchen table to me is sacred, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So to learn to be a lifelong learner, to continue to create, to continue to want to learn requires action. You know, it's just not, oh, I want to write a book. Oh, I wish I would get back to my journal writing. Oh, I really need to get back to my scrapbooking. Oh, yeah, I wish I had the energy to go to yoga class. Well, when is going to be the day? When is it that it's going to, when are you going to prioritize yourself as the most important person in your life? Now that sounds so selfish and self-centered, but if I don't take care of my eight dimensions, I don't have anything to offer you all. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good employee. I'm not a good partner. And uh, I'm not sure if that hit what you're asking. Honing in on figuring out what works for you, you've decided throughout your life that morning is your opportune time for learning. It's your time for creating. The world is quiet. That works for you. Maybe for someone else, it's a noisy coffee shop because they need that stimulation around them. They need people. Maybe for someone else, it's midnight, EDM music, whatever that is. So let's say whoever's listening, you've figured out what type of environment that you thrive in. What are some ways that someone can continue to be a lifelong learner? Are they listening to podcasts? Are they reading books? What other suggestions do you have? And I think it's finding those things that you didn't even know that you were interested in. But what that requires is awareness. I think we only learn about things or stumble upon things that interest us. You know, so your sister is a hobbyist. She loves things. She loves to learn, but she goes from one hobby to the next and taps it out and she's done with it. But her lifelong learning is sometimes one hobby isn't done before the next one begins. And she's perfectly okay with that because you can quit the learning process wherever you want, especially if something else sparks your interest and you're like, oh, I'll get back to that. Listen, I've got so many projects that I thought that I'll get back to. And when I realized they were interesting right then Mm -hmm. and it was time well served because I learned a lot, but I learned that I don't want to know any more about that topic. I'm kind of like tapped out. I don't really want to explore that anymore. And then I'll go to a conference and I'll hear another word and I'm like, oh, what is this all about? And so many times my deep dives of the continuous lifelong learning is listening to others areas of expertise? What are their passions? When people are so passionate about what they do and how they do it, and I don't care if it's whatever poses in yoga or learning how to power lift correctly, whatever that is, you know that you are learning and have something to share when you share it with someone with such excitement and zeal and you're using language they don't even understand, you don't even understand the topic and your head nodding. Why? Because they are on fire, right? So how do you get into this lifelong learning? 
Well, first and foremost, it requires you to get out of your house and find some things to be interested in. And then you can come back to your creative space. And if there's some work that's required in the garage or outside or in your driveway or in your basement, just that continuous drive to know that our intellectual wellness is just not financial wellness. You know, and if there's people's greatest fear, you know, the two questions, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and how much money are you going to make? You know what? I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew I loved people and I knew I loved reading and sharing. So once I aligned that with teaching, it was a great fit. So um, it's finding what you love to do. You know, and so many of my students, I said, if this is not something that you're going to love to do, pick something else. And they're like, should I like change my major? And I'm like, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, because life is too short. We have limited time and capacity resources and you can't do it all. Alejandra, we had her on on one of our Patreon bonus episodes. And I love this advice that she gave me when I did a call with her. She was like, when you guys make vision boards, like a Pinterest board or something, she was like, also put in things like seeing people happy, being in a home that is beautiful and feels safe. Like it's not just, oh, I want this big house. I want to buy this purse. I want to go to this place. But like in your day-to-day life, add pictures that look calm, that you don't want to be living in a state of stress. Like there are, there's so much more for our dream lives when we step away from like what career, how much money you're going to make, where you're going to live. It's like, do you want to live a fulfilled life? Do you want to live a purposeful life? Do you want to live a life where you feel like you've contributed your gifts to the world? So I love that you ask your students that at the beginning, like, how do you want to contribute? And when we had Ashley Stahl on the career coach, did she call it the zone of genius, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing as what you're saying. Like when you see someone in that zone of genius, you're just like, oh yeah, they're on fire. They're in their own whole little world over there. And like you said, I don't know half those terms you're saying, but like, I love that for you. And it's so fun to experience people like that. And if someone was talking about zoology, maybe a topic that I have no interest in currently, but seeing how excited they are about something plants a seed in my life that it's like, ooh, that lit me up. Like, I'm going to go home and like, I want to do a deep dive on whatever I'm interested in right now. And I love that you said you can just leave things, come back to them. Like last year, I loved yoga. I did my 200 classes. I needed that. And right now I'm kind of like, okay, I think I'm okay to take a little break from yoga. And I want to try maybe something a little more, maybe like get more into boxing or CrossFit. Like I need mm-hmm. something a little more aggressive right now just to switch it up. Cause like, why not? And I also feel like in our society, we don't feel safe to change or to try something new. It's like, it's always gotta, you always gotta stay and follow through. Like if you decide you're going to be the yoga girl, that's your niche now on Instagram. Like you better stay with it. And the society doesn't allow us to change because then you meet people and it's like, oh, I thought you were going to, I don't know, open that coffee shop. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to anymore. I just kind of want to do this other thing. And it's like, that's fine. We don't have to pick something for the rest of our lives. So maybe we could have a little segment about that conversation right now. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts? Oh, this is a funny, this is probably not the most appropriate thing to say. And I share this often with my students who admits this. I'm like, I'm a quitter. And they're like, what? What do you mean by you're a quitter? And I'm like, yeah, you know, if I'm not really good at something, I have a tendency to quit. But if it's something that I want to be really good at or acquire skills to, 200 yoga classes, I'm not going to quit. And so... Like, how can you consider yourself a quitter when you have been here, you're a university professor? And I'm like, oh, I quit things all the time that, especially things that do not serve me well. 
whether that is my learning environment, whether that's my exercise routine, relationships with others. And, you know, Alice and I talked about, you know, this intellectual wellness in relationships, I think is where I want to go next with this. You know, most of us live with others. We have fiancés, we have partners, we have husbands, wives, we have children. You know, most people don't live solo like I do. So how do you find that balance that you have two different people that have may have different levels of intellectual wellness? wonder if one's an AM person, the other one's PM. How do you learn to coexist and make that relationship strong without violating, you know, since I think intellectual wellness drives the spiritual, physical, emotional, occupational, how do you live and thrive in this relationship with respecting one another's creative capacities, their intellectual capacities, their spiritual, their emotional, their financial well-being? And for me, that comes from slow down, right? Observe them, observe their routines without interruption, right? Just be, you know, I'm a prior special education teacher. So much of what it is that I learned about students' interactions and why they do what they do is through observation, not by having a conversation. You know, and I gave Allison the example regarding her dad. He, you know, worked in finance. And after a day of numbers and interactions and phone calls and closing of loans, he was done. We always heard him come home because we'd hear the garage door open and close. We never went out to greet him. Very seldom did we go out to greet him. Why? Because he needed that time. He needed that time to get out of his work clothes, to take a deep breath, to have a minute. His minute could last from five minutes to 30 minutes. And then he would come down. You could see his intellectual wellness. There was that smile on his face and he was able to interact in, how is everybody? How was your day? What can I help you with? Where are we going next? And how did we figure that out? It was through observation because my mornings have always been sacred. Did he ever interrupt me in my morning? Never. Mm. Seldom. And in relationships, you have to be aware of all eight dimensions, you know, that makes that person who they are. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to think about it in other capacities. Like if someone's working out or in a yoga class, you would never run up to them in the middle of their flow and be like, hey, um, what do you want for dinner? How was your day? Uh, would you like to go grocery shopping together this weekend? You would let them do their thing. If they're at work, you don't just like barge into their office when they're with a client and just like start talking to them. So when people are in their space where they're trying to learn, they're trying to create something, they're meditating, why do we think it's okay to just barge in and get an answer for whatever you want. Like, it's so rude. And I was very early on in making that boundary with Clay. That's like, if I'm in my office, do not come in. The door is shut for a reason. Like, I love you. And in the same capacity, when you're at the gym, I'm not just going to like barge into your gym and like start talking to you. So it's prioritizing like whatever you need and making sure that the people in your life like know that. And maybe for someone else, they want someone to barge in with them when they're at the gym or in their office. But for me, like, I need to know that I am safe in that space to keep doing what I'm doing because I don't just like get into my creative vibe in one minute. It's like I wake up, I meditate, I walk, I get my coffee, I light my incense, I get comfortable, I put on my slippers. Like it is a process to get into that creative flow state. And if someone just unexpectedly interrupts, it's like now I have to kind of start all over. Exactly. And you saying flow state was totally the words I was going to use. It feels like intellectual wellness is kind of just the flow state of the different parts of your life. So like how you were saying in the morning, your flow state 
is that quiet morning, centering yourself, not having distractions, not thinking about work or social media or any of those things. And then learning is kind of that flow state too, finding something that you're interested in, maybe taking that pottery class, like that's a flow state in and of itself. So it's kind of just identifying those things that you're interested in and figuring out how you can get to that flow state in all these different areas of your life. That summed it up beautifully. Exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, I think we just like navigated down the whole river of intellectual wellness and touched all the things. It's having an environment that allows you to have a good mindset, tap into your own self and what you need and what you want to do for the day, and it will guide the rest of your life. Oh, I just had this thought. Okay, so imagine you're just this little new baby deer out in the world and the universe has everything around. It's like you've got trees, you could live anywhere, you could do all the things. By you saying you're a quitter, And Warren Buffett says like successful people say no to a lot of things. I feel like these are the same things. Otherwise the universe is like, that's why we're all so overwhelmed and so stressed out because it's like, I've got to read all the books and listen to all the podcasts and visit all the places and do all the things and buy the stuff. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't have to do all that. We, what an abundant world that we have so, so, so many options. That doesn't mean we need all of them. You don't have to buy every clothing item that's trending. You don't have to listen to every podcast that you see that everyone else is listening to. You don't have to watch all the Netflix shows. Pick and choose with what resonates with you and where you want to be. And then that kind of loops it back to that you're not trying. You're not trying to keep up with the trends. You're not trying to go see the cool places. You're just doing what you want to do. And life gets so easy when you let go of those expectations. Like even since we went to Joshua Tree, I feel like for both of us, that was like very, very healing. I just like let go. And you guys know I did my mushroom trip. That helped a lot too, of just being like, why, what am I running towards? And I was talking to my friend about Nicole about this too, is like, why are, why are we trying to get to this place? Like, what is the rush? Like we're here right now. Like that, that's all it is. You just have today and just float along, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And follow up to that. What advice do you have for someone who knows that they're not in their flow state and they want to be there, but their mindset is definitely affecting that. So any advice for how people can flip their mindset to, I don't know, make that change to get that cognitive clarity and all these different things? I'll bounce it back on you. You've been in those states, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. We've all been in those states. And I think it's so individualized for me when I, for me, this is my practice and for my intellectual wellness is tied very indirectly aligned to my spirituality. Where it, I, where it is, if I'm spiritually misaligned, it impacts my intellectual wellness. I'm not going to the gym. I do not want to go to work. I don't care to see anybody. I don't want to have a conversation. I bail on my relationships. So it is the capacity to understand who am I, you know? And for me, with my spirituality, in those states, I don't get in as much because I have a lot of lifelong learning. You know, in the fifth decade of my life, if I would have known that in my fourth or third or second decade, I wouldn't have gone through chaos. I wouldn't have gone through unrest, unhappiness, broken relationships, any of that, if I would have just stopped worrying about what the world thought of me. You know, so what is driving this? And it's usually a state of unhappiness. You know, when we think that we're not intellectually well, what is the core? Are you in fear? What there's always a core, there's primary and secondary emotions. If you are waking up every day in fear, every day in fear, fear of what? What is the core? What are you fussing about? What are you anxious about? And if you have any of those underlying disruptions in any of those dimensions, I don't think we have the cognitive capacity to stay cleared. We have to pinpoint it. You have to ask yourself, what 
is bothering me? What is this unrest? Why am I not feeling? And it sounds like I'm not intellectually well, you know, and what that means. There's one of the other seven dimensions that is out of alignment and balance. And I have to identify which one of those are. Yeah. So if someone is living in fear or they're living in abandonment, they're living in a scarcity mindset, it's clearing that fog to even be aware that that is the state you're in. And for me, not drinking alcohol really helped because it's like I would be working, working, working all week, run, 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 run. And then Friday and Saturday night would come around. And instead of being like, I'm really overwhelmed, maybe I should go to a yoga class. I'd be like, happy hour. And just like run, run, run to the next thing. Then the Sunday scaries would set in and then I'd start all over. Like I really had to eliminate alcohol so I could just like slow the fuck down and be like, whoa, what do I even want? Because that was like the race because I never had any time to ground myself and center myself. And maybe for someone else, their alcohol, whatever Band-Aid you're using to cover up having to connect with yourself. And I feel like we all have them. They're all avoidance things. Sometimes people constantly travel. Sometimes people overbook their schedules. Sometimes people get high. social media. Yeah, to fill that void of having to connect with yourself because it is illuminating. To sit in silence with yourself with no distractions, a lot of people don't want to do that because it's very humbling. You have to face yourself in the mirror and be honest. And a lot of the times it's much easier to be like, "Mm, I'll just watch TikTok. I'll just Mm -hmm. binge this episode or whatever it is. So I think that's the first foundation. Well, and I think even if you, you have to have a starting spot, you know, what is, and it's usually a state of unhappiness. So having just the words of the eight dimensions and scrolling down that list and almost using something else. So many people need a guide, an identifier, because when they do come out of the state of chaos, then they identify it. But when I'm starting to feel that way, we can all feel it cumulatively build up. We can feel it. We can feel it. We can feel it. But we're wondering what's the core? What's the root? Well, it's probably aligned with one of the dimensions that are out of balance, you know? And if you can identify that, then I think we have a chance. Mm-hmm. But if you refuse to look at self and re- because the despair can go deeper, you know, that's what leads to depression and anxiety and self-isolation and not wanting to go to work. You know, those negative mindsets or, you know, they make us physically unwell mm-hmm. as well. And I think it's also finding the balance that's your balance. So of the eight, that doesn't mean it's a perfect pie chart and every piece of pie is getting the exact same percentage because for someone else, maybe financial wellness is incredibly important to them. They still need to have social wellness in their lives, but maybe their financial pie gets 20% and social gets 10. But So I think it's fine tuning and figuring out how much you need to allocate to each one and recognizing the inverse relationship of them. Because if you have your dream job, but it's not making you any money and you never get to see your friends and you never make it to the gym, it's not your dream job anymore. Because suddenly once all of those things aren't happening or aren't being maintained, it's going to affect your dream job in the same way that I saw this quote on social media that was like, it's not your dream body if it's hell to maintain. Because it's not, that's not going to get, if it's, if you don't get to go to lunch with your friends anymore because of that dream, it's not your dream body. Your dream life has to take into account all of those dimensions and what you want out of each one. And Looping it back to our first episode of the year, maybe it is important to sit down and write down the eight dimensions of wellness and take note of what 
pieces are getting the most attention. I know for me, when I wrote down mine, physical was getting a lot of attention and social was completely full. I was completely filled to the capacity for those. But then my spiritualness has definitely room for improvement. And I think that is intellectual wellness and practice is taking a look at all of your eight dimensions. And it's kind of so appropriate that we did this topic last in our series because it's taking account of all the different pieces of wellness that you need to feel good and looking where there's pain points, looking where you're not feeling good and just addressing those so that in the end, you can get into that flow state and be thriving. 100%. Because your body will tell you. Like, what, however it manifests, like, you might put on weight, you might break out with acne, your hair might start falling out. Like, your body knows when it's not in the state that it wants to be in. And then instead of stressing about, oh, I'm breaking out, oh, I'm gaining weight, oh, whatever, that's not the problem. The problem is whatever is underneath that that's making that happen. So I feel like so often we're so focused on trying to figure out what Band-Aid fix is stuff and your body is an alarm bell. It's sending off all of these signals like, hey, you're out of alignment. This is wrong. Your back is aching. Your dark circles. And then we start worrying, okay, well, maybe I should just get eye patches. Maybe I need a massage, which those things are great, but it's still not going to fix what's underneath that. And the only way to fix all those is awareness which is intellectual wellness. And boom, I do. I feel like we solved the riddle. This was like <laughs> a whole fun little journey this spring and winter. Okay, well, to wrap all this up and to tie this all together, what practices, advice, books, resources do you have to recommend for anyone who wants to improve their intellectual wellness moving forward? I think intellectual wellness is so individualized. So when you say, oh, read spiritual readings, but wonder if you don't like to read, listen to podcasts or, you know, informational things, you need to first and foremost address your learning style. How do I learn the best? And maybe it is just literally going old school and actually going into the library instead of doing a Google search engine. If you're looking about how to plant, how about go and look at those beautifully illustrated botanical books in the library. If you're interested in music, in dance, in theater, in pottery, in jewelry making, we spend, in my mind, that makes a lot of us not intellectually strong, too much screen time. Everybody knows that. And there's resources all around. When's the last time you went out and explored your community? Where do we have to learn? It does not have to be a classroom. It does not have to be a college credit hour. It doesn't have to be a pottery class. How about some self-learning. How about asking if my father was still alive? I'm like, dad, I don't know how to do this. And he goes, I'll show you how. Find a mentor. I have a great nephew right now that is in an apprenticeship to be an electrician. He didn't want to pay to go to trade school. So what did he do? He kept going to every small town and asked the person that was an electrician in the town, would you take on an apprentice? I want to learn the trade, but I don't want to go to school. I mean, when's the last time you thought about that? It's like tapping into your elders, family members, those that you know, neighbors. There is such a wealth of knowledge. And there are so many people, there are so many kind people out there, empathetic people, people that want to do and serve and trade and teach you. But that requires action. You have to do your part. You're the only one in charge of your intellectual wellness. No one can do the work for you. Nobody can go to the gym. No one can go to your job. No one can, you know, implement their own spirituality or their spiritual practices. You just need to get out there and uh, And live life and live life. Just and I think the biggest thing, just get outside, just breathe in that fresh air, watch that sunrise, watch that sunset. Go out now. It is spring. Look at all the changes in Mother Earth. You know Mm -hmm. the sights, the scents, the smells. The birds are chirping again. There's baby bunnies out there. There's starting to be insects. Be aware. We can 
read and read all day long about something. You can listen to a million podcasts on a topic, but until you actually do something, that's like where the real learning comes in. Like I want to get a green thumb. We're actually going to have a guest on here soon who's going to teach us about it. And it's like, that's great. You got to go out into the world. You've got to get the snippets of knowledge, but then you've got to actually do it. And that's the difference. Anyone can talk about, I want to backpack Europe. I want to start a podcast. We'll do it. Requires yeah. action. Yeah. And surround yourself with people who are fostering an environment where you're allowed to say yes. And it seems like that's the environment you grew up in, Allison, and you have an amazing mom. And it's been amazing chatting with you and having that environment that allowed you to say yes, to try things and not be afraid to fail has created you into this person that's doing amazing things. So. Oh, thanks. That. So are you. Yes. Shout out Lolo. <laughs> <laughs> Before you hop off, we do have to ask you our signature question to you. What makes a good friend? Oh, what makes a good friend? I think when you can conjure up and define what makes a good friend, you probably already have that person in your head. And that friend is uh, one that loved me through the decades, saw my silly 19-year-old self to my present-day self. And you know what makes that good friend? Longevity, connection across distance, always knowing that they're going to be your person, that I could call her, they would be there for me. And likewise. Maybe a, a bit about not feeling judged. Oh, not being judged by friends. I, I think I've kind of eliminated those, you know, friendships that do not serve me well. You know, I, like I said, I'm a quitter. And <laughs> when I spend too much time fussing about the nature of a friendship relationship and it's more effort and more exhausting and you have more avoidance behaviors instead of moving to that person, uh, it's, it's just time to, we can quit, you know, is it's like, well, do you just quit relationships? And I will say, yes, I do. You know, if they're not serving me well and it's not mutual and reciprocal and that person doesn't bring joy in my life and I don't bring joy in their life, it's time to move on. I think that's a great summarizing thought actually for the entire wellness series is if you're spending more time figuring out if something is serving you, it's not serving you. It's exactly Whether right. it's a, a living situation, your job, a friendship, having a pet, some new hobby. If you're constantly trying to make it work in your life and navigating these gray areas where you feel like you're walking on a glass, it's probably not for you. Mm -mm. It's not serving you well. It's not, it doesn't fit anywhere in the eight dimensions. If it's not serving you well, quit and do something else. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a good thing people can take away from this episode is be a quitter, <laughs> which is the opposite of what we've been told our whole lives, but it makes sense. So yeah. And maybe a more positive way to say it is like, accept when it's time to move on. Yeah. Because life is always moving forward. I was listening to something that they were explaining that like life is this train and it's always moving forward and you can, you better just get on because it's still going and know when it's time to just like leave those things in the past. Like you don't have to bring anything that's in your life right now doesn't have to be there in the future. No. And even for a visual, when you were just saying life's a train, I feel like in our heads sometimes when you think of being a quote unquote quitter, it's like you've progressed and you've made all these steps forward. But then when you're a quitter, you have to go back from the start. But it's like, no, it's just a pivot and you're just going a different direction. You didn't, you're not losing anything. You're not having to start over. I feel like we just have been taught that it's a waste of time or that you have to start back from ground zero. But it's, it's like, no, you're just starting for you're going, you're just going a different direction and you're still moving forward. Yeah. New path, new branch. They're not kicking you back to starting life over on day zero. You still got everything up until this point. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I love the train analogy. How about just step off at the next stop and then get back on when you're ready 
to move forward. And I I love the train analogy because it's always moving, but you can always pull the emergency cord on there or it'll stop at the next train stop and you can get off, acquire some more life experiences, get back on, keep going. And that is life. It's always moving forward. Love that. I feel like that was everything that was wrong in my life two years ago when I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm so stressed. I'm so overwhelmed. Is I was just letting life move way too fast and letting life control me. And I wasn't the one in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. I agree. Amazing. Well, thank you. Well, thank you again. Yes. Is there anywhere that people can find you or ways that they can support you? Uh, Just by supporting you. That would be my greatest joy. And uh, I work at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. If you ever want and are interested in education, go ahead and look at that bio there. Click on to my name. I answer my email. You can find me on the university website. And you're working on the publication for the Art of Teaching. I am. Yeah, my colleague and I went to a conference in San Diego, the Critical Questions in Education, and we are just passionate about the art of teaching. And uh, we think um, it needs to be revitalized, the passion and the growth and the creativity. And following our two-part series, we were approached by a textbook publisher, or not just a, a book publisher, and he wants us. We are working on a pitch for him. And how many published books do you have? Published books, just part of like two chapters contributions, but a lot of manuscripts, pedagogical manuscripts in my areas of interest and research. Amazing. A woman of many talents, lots of knowledge. Thank you, dear. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you again for being here. If you're still listening, make sure to tune in next week. We are going to be recapping the entire series, all the eight dimensions, pull some of our favorite quotes from the episodes, highlight our most aha moments, biggest things that we learned in each episode. So stay tuned for that. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to another episode of Already Friends. We want to tell you guys, what is our favorite thing in this world? Getting Apple and Spotify reviews. So to thank you guys, when we hit 500 reviews on Apple and Spotify, we're going to give you one of your favorite things. And we're going to tell you what it is. It's a $50 gift card to wherever you want. Please, come on. We're desperate. We're literally dreaming up these reviews in our sleep. Got to help us get there. If we want to keep creating great Already Friends podcast shows for you guys, we need those reviews. So don't make us beg, all right? Yeah. <laughs> So leave a rating, leave a review, screenshot it, send it to us. And yeah, when we hit 500, we'll pick two of you guys to get a $50 gift card to wherever you choose. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you in the review section of our show. Love y'all. Love ya. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.